This is AI Podcast, not artificial intelligence, agency intelligence. Our team's going to be 10 times stronger than all the other teams. A platform for agents. When people think of niche marketing, they're thinking so small scale. In real life agencies, sharing their thoughts. All you need to do is get in front of more people. To transform an industry. Better coverages, uh, better pricing, better everything. Real difference between givers, takers, and matchers. Agents. I guess I took a slightly different path coming to the agency. I know a lot of agencies. You can partner your clients with those companies that are looking for that specific target market. This is AI Podcast. Are you ready? I am. Let's go. Hey, 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 loyal listeners. How are you doing again? Back with you here with Agency Intelligence, where we're giving you the real agents inside real agencies, giving you the real agency intelligence and not the artificial that the industry tries to make you believe. Because that's what we're doing here. We're trying to make you think, trying to make you question the norms that you've been taught. And even some of the best and the brightest in the business have tried to explain to you and, and just thinking about it yourself and does it work for you? And that's why today I have brought you who I consider to be We'll just call him uh, S squared. We'll call him a sales stud, right? That's what we're calling him. Um, a lot of other people, though, in America call him Micah Salas. So, Micah, how are you, man? I'm excellent. I'm excellent. It's Friday. Ready for the weekend, man. It is Friday. It's raining outside, but that's okay because inside it's dry and the lights are on. So, to me, that's my artificial sun, and we're rocking and killing it. Micah, I want to put it on hold for a minute because I need to remind the listeners – and they know what I'm going to say, but I have to say this. You've got to go to AIbrainshare.com, AIbrainshare.com to sign up for Brainshare 2020 last Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday in October, Puerto Rico. Oh, yeah. It's going to be awesome. Invite only. Only 150 people coming. We have about 50 to 60 seats. That's it. Registration will open uh, March 1st. If you want to be sure that you're going to be invited, Maybe you already are. Maybe you're not. But if you want to make sure, go to AIbrainshare.com and on the waiting list, put in your name and your information, and I'm personally going to call you and, and, and see if you have what it takes to be one of the 150. That's just straight up the way that it is. It sold out last year, sold out the year before. It's going to sell out this year. So please let me know. And keep in mind, last year, it sold out in three weeks. So keep that in mind. Go to AIbrainshare.com. Micah, sorry about that, man. I got to let these... Uh, the loyal listeners know because you got to you got to pound it into them because what happens is do you do this and then like two three weeks before or months before the event they're they're calling you giving you guilt trips about how they want to come and it's like I've been talking about it for twelve months you know what I mean so anyways man uh, I get it. everybody has their situations you know so um Micah dude um so we kind of so all the loyal listeners know Micah and I don't know each other. Um, I see him on LinkedIn. Um, I've seen him probably for the last three, four or five months. And I just kind of watch him and, you know, who's out there for their own self-interest, who's out there actually knows what the hell they're talking about, who's out there talking about things that actually agents should focus on. And, and Micah, you kind of, you kind of were coming to the top of my mind. And I think there's something you did. There was a video you did on LinkedIn that was called, uh, you were educating um, the buyer about the reason why it's okay to get an AOR or a broker of record or an agent of record, depending on the country where you live, what you guys call it. The and when I read it, when I listened to it, I was like, "Holy cow! Like this, this dude really, truly gets what's going on out there." 
And that's when I reached out to you and you loyal listeners don't know that was like three months ago. <laughs> I mean, it was a long time ago. I think I was coming back from Cuba in November or it was uh, some conference or something in October. It was that long ago. And so anyway, so Micah, I do appreciate you coming on. And for you loyal listeners to know, this is going to be action-packed sales. Like we, we are going to be high in the clouds. We're going to be down in the dirt. Um, but Micah and I do the same kind of thing. So there's going to be a lot of relation today and him and I are going to get to know each other while you guys get to listen in. So it's going to be fun. Micah, you ready? I'm ready, man. Let's do this. You an iPhone or you a droid user? Uh, droid. Don't hold it against me. No, dude, I'm a droid <laughs> user. See how much we're alike, loyal listeners. You got to be excited about this. It's, this is how good this is going to be. Dude, thank you. Literally 90%. I'm pulling that out of the sky, but it's at least 80% of the people that are on here are iPhone users. And we, awesome sales studs, we know where to go. That's right, Micah. That's right, brother. What would oh, yeah. you say? Do you love to win or do you hate to lose? Man, I, I, you know, eating or losing eats at me more, but I, I enjoy the victory more than, than hating to lose, I would say. I try to stay positive, right? Keep it, keep positive mind frame. So we'll go with winning to lose or winning, enjoy winning more you than You do. What was uh, the last app that you've downloaded? Oh, last app I downloaded, I would say uh, All Trails. It's a, it's a trail trails. hiking app. So it kind of gives you, you know, people's reviews on trails and what, you know, what their experience was, oh. pictures of, of the scenery and the trails. So I'm here in Austin. So there's a bunch of trails in the hills and uh, it's a pretty cool app. Oh, that sounds like a really awesome app. So it gives you a little glimpse of where you're going before you're going. So you can kind of, it's like looking at the menu, right? It's like, hmm, I wonder where yeah. I'm going to, well, that looks like some good scenery. We'll go there. Yeah. And the, th the greatest thing about mother nature though, is she's always free. That's the, that's, that's yes, the, the best food you can get, you know? Oh, so yeah. That's a little sunshine. A little sunshine. A little vitamin D for the day. Now, last question that we want to know is if we had to, if you could say that there was two things in life that, that got you where you were, and it was skill or and luck, which one has been a bigger factor in your life to get you where you are right now? D definitely skill. Man, I just think you kind of create your own luck. You know, you do the little things right every day that people really don't see, and, and then it looks lucky on the outside, but uh, you've kind of had a plan now, obviously you don't know what's going to happen, but you know, something good will probably come out of your actions. So I would, I would definitely say skill. Uh, okay. Skill. I like it. I like it. And I do like that. I think it goes back to, it's one of those funny questions because either which way you answer it kind of answers it the other way as well. But, uh, that lets us, lets us know a little bit about you and then tell us now, um, take us back a little bit and bring this forward to how you got to where you are now. Yeah. So man, uh, well, Coming out of college, I had zero interest in selling insurance, but I was interviewing with an insurance company, a direct writer. And um, actually, at the last minute, I backed out and took a, a, a job with the federal government. Anyways, realized I hated it, um, got into sales, wasn't making any money. This was back in 2009. And uh, that same manager who I kind of blew off reached out to me and said, hey, you want to grab a coffee? Met up with him. Man, he took out a pamphlet and showed me what the entry pay was, and it was basically double what I was making. So I said, I got to, I got to do this, right? It's a, it's a no brainer. So I, I got into insurance because of the money, but that's not why I'm still here, you know, nine years later. But, um, so anyways, I took the job, went up to Minnesota, trained for a full year, got my territory. Uh, I, was, I was working for a direct writer and you start to kind of realize like, I really kind of want to work for the client more than, than the company. And, and, uh, 
my wife and I were up in Wisconsin. That's where we're from. And we were ready to make a change away from Federated. And we just said, hey, let's go somewhere warm. And, and literally at kind of a, at the drop of a hat, just uh, started looking at jobs in Texas and flew down here and interviewed and, and, and got hired by a Marsha McLennan agency back in 2014. And here I am, man, five years later. So just killing it. Rocking. Yeah. Yeah. Doing well. <laughs> right. Right. So, um, and so how old are you, man? I'm 34. 34 years old. Now, uh, what does a typical day look like for you? What time you get up? What time do you go to bed? Tell us what your day looks like. Yeah. So I'm up typically about five, five fifteen. the alarms going off. I get up, take my dog on a walk, about a 20 minute walk, get back, meditate for 20, 25 minutes. Um, after that, just have a you know maybe a coffee with my wife, and then head out the door. Try to get to work somewhere you know seven thirty eight o'clock. I'm I'm trying to be here, and mm-hmm. um, from there it's it you know you know how it is with an insurance as an insurance agent it can vary man depending on where your meetings are what you got going on. But I always try to the days I don't have meetings. One thing I keep front of mind is how can I find new people out there that need help that I you know to bring on as clients, and that's. I keep that at the forefront of everything I do and I try not to get bogged down in the service work, the extra stuff that, you know, comes with it. And, uh, and so that's, that's the best I can give you for what my day looks like. But after about eight o'clock, it all kind of varies. What time do you usually call it a day? I mean, I know it kind of varies by what you had to do for the day, but when are you usually walking out heading home? Man, I, um, I'd say probably about four o'clock, um, mainly cause we got a dog and that kind of, uh, <laughs> takes back. I used to work probably till five or so. Um, when I first got in the industry was building my book. I was definitely no joke, probably a seven to, you know, seven to five, five thirty every day for the yeah. first year. Um, after you start to get some clients built up and you got a, a rhythm down, it definitely changes and you can kind of be more strategic and it's just different. So, right. So what do you do? What is, uh, what are you, when you're trying to, when in your forefront of what you have to do every day, um, and you're thinking about it and you're going through your day, you're doing some service work, but in the forefront of your mind is how can I find new people? What is the way, what are some ways that work for you? Yeah. So, um, you know, the typical Google, LinkedIn, you know, look, looking for people you're connected with, uh, prospects, but I, I found several prospects just, uh, if I have a meeting, I'll kind of drive there and I, I, as I'm driving, I'll look for size of, of trucks, right? What does the business say? And I've got, I write them down, um, I'll do that quite a bit or just drive around an area. If I have a, a meeting somewhere, I'll just drive in, you know, mile radius around, <laughs> see what else is there. So that's, that's kind of how I'm finding prospects. Also, there's, there's tools like uh, we use Factiva. It's a DMB database done in Bradstreet, I think runs it. Um, so I'll use that to kind of build some list by zip code or industry as well. Gotcha. Okay, super. And so tell the loyal listeners, because uh, I kind of know, but what's the size of your book? Actually, just so the year just ended, it was 800, I want to say 860 in revenue. In revenue, 860,000 in revenue. That's no, that's huge. So, I mean, you you realize though, when we're talking about the book size, that 70 to 75% of the independent insurance agencies out there are 300 to 500,000 in revenue, like for the whole agency. And you're sitting at 890,000 in revenue. You're, you're twice the size as most insurance agencies out there. Now, you have a lot of resources. You work for Marsha McLennan. They're literally, if I'm not correct, they are the largest broker house out there. Am I right? Yes. Yeah, I think by premium placed or whatever the statistic is. Yes, I would say. Yeah. Whatever it is. Yeah. And it gives you a huge advantage because you have 
a lot of carriers that other agents you may be competing against don't. So it allows you to get an agent of record or a broker of record a lot easier. Yes, that and in Texas, at least, there's not a whole bunch of regional carriers out there. So it seems like most of us all have the same markets in Texas, where Wisconsin, where I'm from, man, there was tons of insurance companies. So mm-hmm. it was probably would have been a little more difficult to get broker of record letters exclusively. But And you said you came from Federated, correct? Yes. I have to tell you, dude, so many rock stars in the industry that I have met, commercial lines, they've come from Federated. Federated must have the best training. I, I just talked to a uh, guy that went there. I think he said it was like eight months up in Wisconsin mm-hmm. is what you guys go through in training. Actually, Owatonna, Minnesota. Minnesota, and, uh, yes. Yeah, yeah. Small town, but um, mine was 11 months. Now, I think they've shortened it to nine or eight. Wow. Um, I think 11 was a little overkill. but uh, Wow. I mean, what are they doing to train you? I mean, I mean are, are you – you're getting in class and then you're going actually – are they putting you out on the street? What? How does? I mean, how are they doing it to make you guys so awesome? Well, yeah. So it starts off with learning what insurance is, right? So, and it's it's seven a.m. to five p.m. every day, eight hours, you know, eight hours a day, taking tests, and you go you go policy by policy. So you look at it at like silos, right? So liability, umbrella, auto. You do two three days on each each topic, and then from there uh, they put you into kind of niche categories. Hey, what do contractors worry about? What do uh, material dealers worry about? Um, gotcha. So you do that aspect and they combine, they combine sales components. But then after that, that's probably the first half of the deal. Um, you spend time with some underwriters, you spend time with risk, contr- you do some loss control visits, you spend time with claims, and then you ultimately service some territories that are open um, and try to get the feel for what they want you to do. And, and then you're, you know, you're free. So. Wow. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. That was a good point of reference though, for all you loyal listeners out there hearing that what he said, like one of the first things they did was teaching you like, what is insurance, right? I think yeah. sometimes we try to go immediately to like the, the practical tactical, here's how you do a quote. Here's how you do this. If it says this click here, rather than actually stepping outside and saying, wait a minute, before we get to that, do you have any clue what insurance is and how it relates to a business? You know, that that's a, that seems like common sense, but I would say the majority of agencies that are trying to train skip that part immediately. That's a, that's a key point because I've, I've, I've seen other producers that are around my age that fail, right? They get brought on there. They've been in sales, but insurance is such a big, it can get complex. Right. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and these people are trying to learn sales that they have the pressure of growth, but then they also have the pressure of just learning and feeling confident. So if you don't know the product, how can you feel confident out there in front of a business owner who's 50 years old or a CFO say, hey, hire me versus your current guy? Um, you're probably not going to have that confidence. That's right. That's right. So let's get to the meat of, of how you've come at that, um, that, that good size of book that you have. You and I were talking, and so I don't want to take the words out of your mouth, but how many of your accounts um, have come through broker of record? So every single account has come through broker of record. And I, I think I have, I don't know, 30, 35 to 40 clients right now, but every single one's been broker of record besides one. And that was because they were with Century Insurance, a direct writer. Gotcha. Gotcha. Now there's a lot of agents on the, on the loyal listeners right now, Micah. They're, they're driving down the road. They're stuck in traffic. They're jogging. Some of them swim. Some of them are sitting at their desk right now, and they're saying to themselves all, Micah, you're that son of a bitch. You're that guy. 
that took my the, uh, my account on a BOR. That slime that that's the only way those slime balls can sell. They they can't go in there and and here's my thing. I was that agent, Micah. I really truly was. See, you were trained from the beginning, so you've just always like looked at it this way. But us that weren't trained this and have actually had to learn it. It, it, it allows me to say like, I, I used to be that person that would, that would get mad at me. But now that I'm on this side and I see that then I wasn't truly helping my client and now I am, it's kind of like, oh, oh, okay. And now I feel guilty doing it any other way. Yep. Does that make sense, Micah? Complete sense, man. I actually, when I first meet with a prospect, I tell them, you know, most agents today at this meeting, you know, let's say we're four or five months out. I said, their strategy is to race to the market to beat your other agent to the market. And then that guy calls you, right? And, and then you're frustrated. You didn't want to change. You just wanted to keep him honest or make sure you're getting a good deal. And they're like, yeah, yeah, that happens all the time. I said, so I'm not like other agents. I want to give you value up front. And if I give you enough, then I'm going to ask you to hire me. And I'm, I'm totally transparent with them. You know, I said, this, this letter would fire that person, but I don't jump ahead of myself. I just say, let me see if I can bring you value up front, something different. And if I can't, I'll let you know that. So. Are you focusing on the workers' comp versus the package and all the other lines? No, I focus on the whole program. I guess you could call it their – I call it their insurance program, so all lines. Okay. So when we do it as our way is we do it at an insurance program, but what we have found, Micah, and please help me and let's let's rap about this. What we have found is when we get into – our sweet spot is no more than 300000 to 400000 in premium. Okay, that that's that's who we are here in small town America. And and most agents don't go over anything over 50,000, you know, and they get lucky if they get something over that. But our main thing, what we call large fish is from 70,000 to 150, and then we go 150 um to 350, 400,000 is whale hunting. We decided that because we have a couple other friends here in our town who work for Lockton, looks mm-hmm. work for some of the big guys, and they kind of tell us like, you know, we don't really go out. They don't go after anything under five, six hundred thousand in premium. You know, a lot of them will consistently say that. So we decided, okay, well, let's go in there and snag that piece of the market that no one is. And and we have found that a lot of the times the the companies all carry the same uh, coverages. They're all all the agents are offering the same services, right? They're offering these loss control services and this. And we have found that what agents don't ever talk about is they don't ever talk about the modification factor and how that's actually the only line of insurance that the customer can control the cost on. Mm-hmm. And that's where we usually get the, we, it, we're try, we're making it part of our marketing, Micah. How come no one's ever told me this? Yep. I've been with my agent for 25 years and he's never mentioned this one time. Half the time they think that you're that you're so full of shit because there it makes so much sense, right? And then you kind of back it up with some stuff like you said be transparent with them and they're going, "Holy shit," you know? <laughs> and am I wrong? Am I wrong about any of that? No, you're you're spot on, man. There's uh a lot of agents are talking about a lot of different components to the insurance program and yeah, mod is like you said their biggest thing they can control that dictates the price. Yes. And so what would you, what does your service look like? You know, here's the thing. We don't have to worry about getting away our secrets. Cause I say this when I do speaking across America, people say, Jason, why would you stand up there and tell them what you're doing? I say, cause less than like two of you in the whole room are going to even do anything <laughs> that I say. It's just not going to happen. I'm sorry. It just won't. Um, but I mean, what, what is, what does that insurance program look for, for you? What does that look like? What's their program that you set up for, for your insureds? 
man, it's all customized, you know? So my whole thing that I actually sell on more than anything is proactive advisement, right? So I lay out a, a quarterly action plan or, or advisement schedule for them. And I'll say, hey, quarter one, here's what we're going to talk about. We'll bring out our loss control person maybe, or uh, talk about claims or just set kind of a safety goal for the year. Uh, midway through the year, let's do a checkup. Let's make sure your your numbers are looking good. Your forecasts are in line. I'm going to talk about some trends. Uh, just make sure that nothing's changing the business. You know, third quarter, I talk about a true marketing strategy session. Um, I think that's where a lot of agents don't really get at. They send out, you know, they maybe get renewal updates, right? But I, I turn it into mm-hmm. a marketing strategy session. Let's talk about what's going on in the marketplace. Does it make sense to shop this year? Does it not make sense? And, and, just so they're not caught off guard. I think love CFO, that yes. dude. CFOs hate being surprised, man, and business owners hate being surprised. So that that marketing strategy meeting, <clears throat> you can implement with any size company, and that's that's my key to retention, but also to getting new clients. And then the last is just the renewal. So um, that's that's what I sell on heavy. Is that after is that timeline in the services you provide? What that looks like, and then that marketing strategy session which I think is genius because you're right. They don't like surprises. And if you're in there th- on third quarter at the beginning, thir- third quarter or uh, middle of third quarter, whenever it is, you're already in there before the other agent is. That's why whenever I'm calling in to try and get in, they're thinking, no, I don't want to have anything to do with you because I've already met with Micah yep. a month and a half ago on this. Yeah, and sure. Although they might even think they've already renewed. I've heard that when I'm trying to get a new client. They're like, oh, I've, I've already renewed. I'm like, oh, that's four months away. They're like, oh yeah, I met with my agent already. So you know, it's being proactive, but Right. And, and, and you know what, when I run into those, I think to myself and I smile and I think, wow, there's another agent out there that's really doing what he's supposed to be doing. (laughs) I I really do think that, you know, I love, I love this industry so much. It has given me things that I had never thought that I would get, that I would get, especially if you knew my, my, my beginnings, but I want my mission. And the reason I do this podcast and the things I do in the industry, Micah, is I want other young people to experience this and be able to get the fruits of their labor from this great industry. And whenever I'm out there and I see a sleazeball, we just took a large account on an AOR for a non-for-profit. When we went back to talk with the client and get things ready and helping them, helping them move over, they gave us this email. And I hope you're listening, dude. I hope you're a loyal listener because I would love to just bust your name out, but I won't. Because this guy is the epitome of why our industry is is disliked and untrusted. He sent a three-page thing on there totally belittling us, saying that he had went to our website and he couldn't believe with his 32 years worth of experience that he was letting an agency that had combined insurance experience of less than 50 years and just going through all this stuff, calling us nitwits. I mean, I'm not joking with you. This guy was just going. And I'm thinking to myself, and then and he's saying, I insure 2,800 of these type of non-for-profits. And I sat there and I know that and I know where this guy's agency is. It's like a two-man operation. I took 2,800 <laughs> and I took it just times $5,000 in premium. And I'm thinking, you take that times commission. This guy tells me that he's sitting on a $14 million book in nonprofits with three people. Get the <laughs> hell out of here, dude. Lion uh, is and you know, and he's sitting there and we're reading this thing. And I told Travis, I said, because in this situation, this Micah, Travis is my business partner, loyal listeners know that, this is where I have to give this to Travis, right? Because I told Travis, I sent it to Travis, and I said, dude, you tell me what to do here, because my uh, my idea right now is I want to drive to his office, and I'm not mad. 
and yeah. I'm not going to scream at him. I just want to walk in the door and say to him, you are the reason why I have a hard time getting people to trust and every other insurance professional that's trying to do a good job and trying to put our, our clients in a better position, you are the reason why. You are the reason why when that J.D. Powers Associates comes out and we are third from the bottom as far as just trust factor mm-hmm. and being slimy. You know, that that is the way that you respond. And that's all I want to say to him. I really do. And I actually want to sit in his uh, stand in his office until he tells me to leave and he's going to call the cops. Then I'll leave. I thought that would be cool. Right. I thought that would be cool. Uh, but no, I mean, and, the, and I don't normally take him this personal because it wasn't a personal thing for my agency. You can say whatever you whatever you want to say. I mean, dude, you lost the account. That's just straight up how it was. And this dude wasn't doing anything. Um, and, and to be honest with you, I think the client actually wanted to stay with him. I really do. But the dude just wasn't does wasn't doing what he was supposed to do. And it's just like, all right, fine, we're out. And anyways, anyways, we, we run into that kind of stuff. Oh, yeah. Now, what we have to understand, though, as loyal listeners, is what Micah and my team are doing is we're getting the agent or the broker of record because we need to be the agent of record for us to perform our services. It's like one of my buddy David Carruthers says. David says, to tells the client, you're already paying for all this stuff to be done. It's just not being done. So you're not going to lose any money by me taking over the situation and then actually doing this work. Like, did you know that you're paying your safety person $50,000 a year? And they're like, well, we don't have a safety person or our safety person's this. It's like, no, your insurance agent, right? And this guy over here that's supposed to be, or gal, that's supposed to be doing this, you know? And when you start to frame it that way, it, it, it changes the game. And I think it allows the good agents to rise to the top. And that is what's going to make our industry better. What say you? Oh, no, no, no. Yeah, no, I totally agree that it's, man, one of my first conversations I have at the first meeting with people is, do you know what you're paying your agent? Do you know how agents are paid? And do you know how the insurance process and the game works? Because I find so many business owners don't understand how the insurance game works and how agents are paid. So that's when I, when I first came out with Marsh, I talked to some of the older agents and they go, what are you doing at your first meeting? I tell them, this is what I'm doing. These are the conversations I'm having. They're like, you bring out price at the first meeting. I'm like, or how we're paid. I'm like, exactly. They need to know. So I think a lot of people, unfortunately, uh, that was taboo, I guess, to talk about, but I, I bring it up first meeting, put everything on the table, make sure we're all on the same page. So. Okay, Micah. So you just, you just got me hyped. Here's the reason why I, we are going through this time in everything that we do that the things that used to work don't work anymore. Right? Like other oh, yeah. than the mag, other than the magnetic field, in the, of the earth, everything else is like changing. Like this used to work, but now it's this used to work, you know, used to work to be strict with your employees. Now you got to create a fun working environment, right? Just like these different things, everything. And so we have taken that as our marketing strategy to what we're doing and how we're getting our clients as to say, we are going to advise the client that the way of doing business is, has always been the way that it was. And it was fine at that time. It was completely fine. But now we can utilize data and we can look at different types of insurance and we can look at different types of data that's going to help us make smarter decisions about your business that's going to save you potentially fifty, dollars $100,000, $200,000 over the course of a year or three years. 
And mm-hmm. and we explained to them, they said, well, yeah, that's fine, but give me a call in two, uh, you know, uh, my insurance renews in March. Give me a call in January, February. And we're like, no, 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 no. That See, that once again, so we're going to make a video for that. That's the way it's always being done. And the only advantage that works to is the agent. Mm-hmm. It only works to the agent's advantage for us to be in this bid process because a lot of people disagreed when I said this before, but Micah, we really truly, uh, statistic wise, only have like a 15 to 10 to 15% chance of writing that client anyways. The agent's got like a 90% retention. Now his is over a group and mine's on an individual, but we sometimes think that like if we have an 80% closing rate, that we have an 80% chance of closing someone that we're sitting in front of. Those are different figures based on groups versus individuals. I think that what we don't realize is that we have to, as you said, no one used to ever talk about price. Now Mm -hmm. let's talk about price, right? What were those things that we've always done and let's do the opposite. And we have a very good strategy for why it is. Some of those, um, I can't think of what it's called. You have to keep in mind, I have uh, two marketers and producers that do this head times. I help on the marketing side. Um, and whenever they have a really big one, they need to close either me or Travis go in. But there's these numbers that NCCI, and I can't remember what my team reminds of, like they release it seven, eight, six months out, which are the kind of the preliminary numbers for what they're going to show on the mod sheet. Oh, yeah. And when, yeah. And so whenever, when a lot of agents don't even know that's, that's, that's there, like you can actually make sure those numbers are correct before they flow. I don't know about you, but we've got a statistics that shows 40 to 45% of the time in the last six to seven months, every uh, 40 to it's, I can't remember. It's in its forties percent of the time. The mod sheet is incorrect. Wow. The mod yeah. sheet is incorrect. No one ever looks at it. When you take their payrolls and their loss runs and you break it down and you come back to them, literally almost half the time we can show the client right off the bat, like, look, your mod sheet's wrong. They're doubling this reserve in here and that's making your mod go up 0.2, which is costing you $70,000, you know? Mm -hmm. And, And so you're telling me your other agent hasn't seen this and they're looking at us going, no, our agents never even talk to us about this. And I'm like, okay, so when that renewal comes in six months, in five to six months, you think all of a sudden he's just going to talk to you about it this year? No, he's not. He's not going to. So here's what we need to do. And then we have a little plan of what we do. Um, I like yours better though, how you break it down into quarters on you do. We just have a thing of this is our 10 point plan. And these are the things that we want to work with you to institute. We discuss all that. And then if they say, yeah, I want that and blah, 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 blah. It's Okay, well, here's what we're going to need. We're going to need, you know, we need you to fire the other guy and hire us. Once again, you're not getting, you're not going to pay anything more. You're already getting paid. Actually, I'm going to do this for the next six months for free, but it's up to you. And and it's amazing when we get it done and we do it right. We are, we've noticed two things. There's, there's about 80% of the uh, the companies don't care. They're going to just continue to keep doing it the way they do it because they got a good relationship or something like that. And the other 20% are very receptive to it. They're Mm -hmm. very like, you know what? Yeah. And you know, why do you shop out? I love asking this question. Do you ask them that? Have you ever asked Micah, the client, like, why do you shop your insurance with multiple agents? Oh yeah. Every time, you know. And what do they say? I just want to keep my guy honest, make sure I'm getting a good deal. (laughs) And, 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 And then I say to them, that's always worked. But actually, let's stop for a minute and break down what that looks like. And then let's look at what it looks like if the person who has the account has the, all the competitive advantage. Now, what it'd be if the difference we say is that we will tell you three months out 
who we're going to get quotes from and if we should get them. And we don't do this marketing strategy session. We kind of do, but I really like your thing there, Micah. What we say to them is, is here's who we're going to get quotes from. You're going to get a quote from Nationwide, a quote from Erie. Um, you know, this carrier denied it, said they didn't want it. But these three, that's what mm-hmm. we're going to work on for you. So it's very upfront. So now there is no reason. So if you're doing business with an independent insurance agent, why are you getting three independent insurance agents? Just use the one you have who has all the companies and has the competitive advantage. When you break that down for them, oh my gosh, so many times they're like, oh, yeah, that that makes total sense. I'm not saying it's just a walk in the park. Sometimes you have to beat it into their head, but it doesn't take very long for them to figure that out. Do you find that to be true? Oh yeah, hundred percent. And that's at my first meeting. That's why I'm educating them on how the I call it the insurance game. But that's what you said right there. Why would you use two different agents to go to the same three markets? And I actually, um, what I try to do is use some analogies. So I say, hey, if you're if you're Aaron Rodgers, would he hire? Would he uh, go to four different? agents to go to 32 NFL teams? No, he'd pick one agent. He'd hire that agent based on their capabilities. Who's going to work the hardest for him to go to those 32 teams? Because guess what? All four agents represent the same 32 teams. And I say, same as with insurance. You know, and so you start to use some of those analogies. with That's people. a good analogy, Micah. Micah, we have analogies too, but that that's a good one. That is really relatable. Because yeah, when we try to break down these things for him, we're always trying to find those analogies. That's good. That's good. Yeah. Thanks, man. Yeah. I just found people grasp onto some of those kind of analogies, I guess you could say, but, um, but it's, it's as simple as just getting people to understand, like you said, it's just about educating them that first meeting. This is why quoting doesn't work or why it doesn't really make sense. Um, and, and once people get it and the light clicks on, they're open to signing a BOR. If you can show that value. Mm-hmm. Show the value and explain to them why they weren't getting this value before. And we always say your, your current agent's not a bad person. They're not doing you wrong. That's just all they know. Matter of fact, Jim, here's what we found out. There's two different types of agents out there. About 80% of them don't know how to utilize data. They don't understand about how to build out insurance programs. You know, they don't, they don't understand this. All this stuff we talked about. That's cool. The thing is, though, Jim, 20% of them out there, they know about it. They know about all the things that we just talked about, and they don't want to change. They don't want to have to invest in the technology. They don't want to have to go create those carrier relationships. They don't want to have to understand and create a a program um, uh, from the beginning to the end and actually execute it with you. They don't want to do that. And that's why our victory is in the 20%, Jim. We're trying to find people like you that understand that, and I think we're going to have a great relationship. It's working. I'm not sitting here saying we're closing. We're closing almost 100%, almost. But, But to get in and get them to believe that, is a very, very tough thing. But I tell my team, we're going to make that money. One of the things that you also said, Micah, sorry, jumping around here, you said you had 34 clients. Approximately, 40, yeah. somewhere in yes. there. Yeah. Yep. And, you, and you have a book of 890,000. This is what Travis and I are trying to do. A lot of agents, almost all of them, Micah, and we're talking personal lines and commercial lines, they brag about how many clients they have. I think you need to brag about how little clients you don't have, but how much money you're making per client is the, is the key. And you're living that, that game. Correct. Yeah. I mean, especially when you're starting out, I think if you're a young producer out there, use it to your advantage, you know, go to that new, that big account and say, you would, you are, I'm making this on you if I would write your business. And what do you think I'm going to, how much attention do you think I'm going to give you? How much am I going to focus on servicing you uh, versus this guy who has, you know, a book of 
$2 million of revenue or something, he can't give you the same level of attention I can. So, I mean, you can always spin it. So if you're an mm-hmm. agent out there, that's, that's definitely something I would do. And I have you know, mentioned to people. Sometimes they say, well, when you spin it, then you're not being truthful. You know what? You can keep thinking that because I'm going to spin <laughs> it how I want, because I don't think if you don't spin it, here's what I say. This I tell my, Mikey, tell me if I'm wrong here. I tell, this is why I train my producers. You know the end result. You know what, how you're going to put them into a better place. You know how you're going to give them programs that's going to lower their costs. You know the end result. They don't. And so that's not their fault that they don't know that. What is your job is to get them to feel comfortable and understand that situation and how they've been doing it versus how it can be done and the results they're going to get and to walk them through that process to what you already see. Does that make sense? Completely. Yeah. No, and I don't think you have to feel – just to jump back to the spinning thing too. I mean I don't think you have to feel like you're spinning anything. It's I know I use that word, but um, I always try to – look at things objectively, right? So if you go into it on bias, you, I think it's the truth, right? You do have less accounts. You can focus more on somebody. Or if you do have more accounts, you have more expertise. You have more knowledge. So it's, it's however you want to look at it. But it's us as an agent that's got to really tell that you know, business owner why, why we're the best fit. And it comes down to belief in yourself, right? Do you, do you really think you're going to execute? Like you said, I know where I can get you. If you have that belief internally, that's going to come through that to that business owner when they're ready to hire you. That's right. That that is exactly right. No, it is, and that's why I don't think I tell. That's what I'm telling them. They know the end. You don't have to worry about spinning it. What you're doing is is you're having to change the frame of mind of somebody, and mm-hmm. so everybody changes mind differently. Sometimes it's through a story. Sometimes it's actually showing them. You know, I always say never uh, will never let the truth get in the way of a good story, right? Or never let never let the story get in the way of of the truth. One of the two. Hell, I can't even think of it right now. <laughs> and what I want them to know is is um, when I'm teaching coverage, I want them to create a scenario that may not have really happened in real life that they know of. It probably has happened in real life, but they say, well, I don't really have any stories. And that's why we practice stories of things that could have happened. And here's how things that to say, if not, we're not changing or manipulating the situation. What we're doing is we're having to help them understand in the way they understand things. And sometimes if you want to call it spinning, I don't think spinning is necessarily a negative word. I think it's become that with like politics, but spinning just has to be, it's a different way of looking at it different way of explaining it. That's, that's, that's the only thing that it, that it really truly is. Um, so I don't think that you're wrong by that at all. I think uh, we have to do what we have to do to let them understand that we're going to put them into a better place. And it's not this game like you're talking about. It is to everybody else, but it's not a game to us. Like we really, sure. the only game to us is we want to have less than a hundred clients. Yep. That's the game to me and my t- my team. My team doesn't – we don't necessarily think about all that stuff of like all the money and everything. We're thinking about how can we strategically grow our revenue while getting less clients. It, that's that's the game. There's no – we're not making anything more complicated about it than this. And I think that that's important to have. How many staff do you have that help you? Do you just have service departments or do you have an, a person who helps you as an assistant? So, yeah, we have – I probably work with a total of maybe 10 to 12 different account managers that handle my various accounts because we, we kind of divide it up by uh, niche industries. So if it's construction, 
but then we also look at their workflows, right? So we got to look at all that, take that into account. Um, and then we also have account executives that oversee the account managers and help more with, you know, the marketing or the more complex coverage issues that might pop up. And those, those people are really designed to help out, uh, some of the larger clients, uh, you know, that, that have, that just require more. Yeah. Yeah. You are right that you, you, you do write that, that. Okay. One of the things I like, I wanted to throw this in there. I'm just looking at some of my notes that I've had for a couple months with you. Uh, so, so the, um, one of the things that we, uh, that I would love to get a, a little strategy from you is that when we go in, the thing we like about these uh, large fish and whales that we consider them is that we like it because they usually have a dedicated um, insurance work comp risk person. Okay. They usually have somebody that either that's their full-time job or that's one of their main points of their job. And we like that because we're not usually dealing with the, with the owner initially, because sometimes that can be very difficult when you're dealing with, with smaller accounts. You want to be dealing with the owner, but you want to make sure that the owner's in there at the time that you're actually discussing some of this stuff on smaller accounts. And the bigger accounts, are you just, when you go in, my question is, when you go in and you're trying to talk, is there a specific person you're going after and then you get all the decision makers or do you not move forward until you have all the decision makers, even in the pre and the preliminary meetings? That's a tough thing. Tell me what your yeah. strategy is there, Micah. So my strategy is it's typically calling a CFO, COO, or sometimes owner of the business, uh, depending on size and or sometimes controller. But those are the people I, I get, I get the first meeting with them. It's usually 20 minutes long and it's, it's educating them on the game. It's talking about our approach, talking about our due diligence style, um, approach that we use. And if they like it, I tell them, Hey, the, the step is we'll do our analysis, but I also need to interview and meet with a couple of people, right. To do some research, some digging, some qual get, get some qualitative data. And that's where I would try to meet, you know, maybe their HSE person, maybe their, uh, ops person. And then at the final meeting, come back, make sure everyone that's going to make that decision is going to be there. Gotcha. That's an interesting way about going about it. Now, you do get the pushback a lot where, uh, no, that's okay. He, Roy's not going to meet with you. You know, the owner, he's not going to want to meet with you. He just, he has me do all that stuff. Yes, I do. I do get that. Of course, if, if it's a controller, let's say, but you know, then you, you, I'll, I'll take the meeting with anybody. I'll take a meeting with a receptionist or an office manager if that's my first way in, right? Because they can become a fan of you and, and work your way up um, through them. Uh, but I always, if, if let's say I'm meeting a controller and they say that thing and I say, okay, we'll do the analysis, but here's the thing, Mr. Controller. I just need to make sure that we come back and do the final proposal that the owner is going to be there because we're going to be covering a lot of stuff and it can get lost in translation. And I just, it'll be a great use of his time. We're going to be sharing really good insights about your program and some ideas to reduce costs and improve efficiency. So I just want to make sure they're going to be there. So I try to get that commitment up front and that seemed to really, if you don't, uh, do you, if you don't, do you walk Micah? You know, the, the, the Mr. Perfect agents would tell you, yes, uh, <laughs> it, dep it depends. depends. What kind of yeah. feel I get? That's true. Yeah. What kind of feel I get from this person? You know, do, do they have a lot of pull? Do they have no pull? And I've learned over the last five years, I, I can look back, there's several proposals I've done or analysis where I knew I knew I shouldn't have done it. I should have walked away. Um, but, you know, you live and you learn. So mm -hmm. it really just depends. It's a case by case basis. That's right. You love winning with your 40 clients, but every once in a while losing, as we talked about before, teaches you something that helps you win better, you know? Hello, loyal listeners. Hey, are you a local agent struggling to find markets for your client? Maybe you, maybe not. 
Look no further than Nation Brokerage Solutions. With over 200 carriers, their comprehensive options give you what you need for your customers' ever-changing needs. With NBS, as they say it in the cool world, you can confidently offer a wide range of options to better support your customers and grow your business, A.K. Agency. Don't settle for less. Do more with NBS. For more information about Nationwide Brokerage Solutions, visit nbsbrokerage.com. Cast certified. That's mm-hmm. that's the thing. Yeah, and so so yeah, I am... Um, you know, I'm I'm part of a couple sales schools where I mean they're just like, you know, we don't do uh, bid programs. We 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 don't bid if if they're not going to be able to see our value after you know we've met with them, we've done our analysis, and we've you know uh, shown them what we have. If they're like, yeah, well, give us a call in two or three months whenever you know we're going to start bidding. They just they they politely. And not just like an asshole, you know, they're politely mm-hmm. turn around and walk out and just say, hey, you know, we're just not, this isn't going to be a fit. That's not the type of client we have. One of the biggest problems we have, Mike, and I would love to get your strategy on that, is getting target premium. I get really pissed <laughs> off at the underwriters because I want to say to them, like, what the hell? Do-? I mean, I understand the strategy behind it, but from this, that is one of the toughest things to get from the client is where that target premium needs to be because to them that's the whole reason why they're shopping it out, right? What yeah. what what how, how do you how do you battle that? So, you're talking about in a in a, comp- a competitive bid situation, correct? Correct, correct. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's right. So, what I, I actually did a video on this that was one of my most watched videos probably back in June about stop whiting out your premiums. Um, all you're doing is hurting yourself as a, as a decision maker. And here's why. Guess who has your premiums? Your current agent. Yeah. Guess what they're doing with your premium? If you've given them four markets, they're giving it to those other three markets as a benchmark. So now you want the best price. So me, you're, you're talking to me because you want a better price. Well, I'm going to my four markets, but I'm not on a level playing field with your current guy because I don't have that premium to show my guys. And guess what? My guys don't want to invest their time with guys who aren't serious. So what do you think? How do you think you're going to get the best price from an underwriter? They want to know at least a starting point, and I don't want to waste your time. So that's honestly the best. I, I haven't yeah. – Thought that's, of a better way, but that's what I would say or have said. Micah, that's good. We did not uh, get that detailed in it, but um, I didn't even think of it either. I have to give credit where credit is due. It came from uh, our producer, our head producer, um, literally on an account we're working on right now. And the guy wouldn't give him target premium. And so he told me this and I told him, if we don't get target premium, we need to walk on this thing for a number of different reasons. But it's $270,000. As I gave you, that may be small to you, Micah, but to our agency, oh. that's that's a whale. So we're working on it. Win, man. It is a damn good win. And 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 I think we're going to have to walk. The guy won't give it to us. And we're literally like two months out. He's not, the thing is, he's not bidding it out. My producer's hmm. been in there working with him for like three or four months and showing him analysis and all this. And so I think my producer could get it for sure in probably two or three years if he worked the relationship but he's now to the point where man he's even made me question our own our own um philosophy in this and thinking like i I think maybe we should give it in because there's two owners they're two brothers and one of the brothers is the in guy side guy the other brother's the outside guy and because they're the two decision makers you said a minute ago you're like you know it depends on how much pull they have because they didn't give him target premium 
And so he's mm-hmm. going to come in today and we're going to talk about this because he's a producer who's only been doing it for a year, year and a half. So to him, it's everything, it, it's huge, but to him, it's, oh yeah, we got a chance on this. And it's kind of like, <laughs> I have to use my 18 years of experience to be like, okay, let's talk about why you think that, right? Because because there's a lot of work that's going to go into this. He's had claims issues on the work comp side. And I mean, there's a whole slew of shit that has to be done. And so I was like, you know, and I think that if he walks, I think the owner is going to respect him. And I think that he's going to get treated differently next year. Now, once again, I'm not going to ask your opinion because it's all, there's so many different uh, factors, but that target premium, I got on the phone and I said, this guy's not even quoting out his insurance. He's just letting us give him a quote. And, and if he doesn't give us a target premium, and that is what the producer said to the underwriter. He said, you know, he said, that, sorry, that's what my producer said to the insured. He said, why are you not showing me the premium, but the other guy that I'm competing against gets it? And I'll be honest with you, I had never really thought of that. And it seems like a, such a common sense thing. But then you come in with the way you explain it. I'm thinking, shit, this is, that's really good. I really like that. So, and one other thing on that too, is you can tell the guy this is expiring. So this premium isn't even, this is the past, you know, this is what I'm, if it's, let's say you're coming up on the renewal or the X date, the premium that, that, that I'm looking at is, is past their, their rates could go up 10% down 20%. I don't know. So I'm just asking for the past premium. What's wrong with that? That's maybe one other idea you want to give your guy. Good call you know, to, to go back with. Good call, thank you, Mike. That's good. That's good. What would you say your average average premium size account is? Premium. Uh, I mean, just premiums, roughly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I have two accounts that are about a million, and then the rest, I honestly, are I, most of them are two fifty to three hundred range. Okay. Okay. So we're kind yeah. of in the same area. Okay. You're a little bit higher than us. We overall, if we could write targeted, if we could just write these accounts, 150,000 is our target is, is when we look at what that size of premium is going to bring as far as service and stuff, about 150,000 in premium is our sweet spot at the insurance Alliance. Well, I got to tell you, man, there's a huge gap in the market. When I first got into this, I didn't, it was tough to tell what a good prospect was. I was calling a bunch of stuff that was yeah, they're paying, let's say, forty thousand to a hundred thousand, mm-hmm. right, or even one hundred twenty-five, and they weren't necessarily a good fit for us. Now, if you get to a hundred, I can, I well, it can be a good fit, um, but there's a huge gap in the market for those mm-hmm. businesses, you know. And uh, but if you can get those people to understand, you know, how it works and getting out of the bid mentality, there's they're just they're just looking for some advisement at that level because they're not getting anything. So that's where I talked about my quarterly, you know, sales. Thing you can do that at any size agency can implement yeah. that, and that's just telling a guy who's paying seventy grand, man, I'll meet with you three times a year. I'm going to give you some good insights, give you some advisement, and let me let me audit your policy. Let me come back or do my analysis on your mod. Um, but it's a big underserved market. I think it's just tough to make it profitable. I think also, so that's the that's the challenge. I guess if you're going to go after that exclusively it is well it is if you're if you're a big brokerage house it's very hard you literally can i mean there's probably a a minimum like they won't pay you on anything less than certain amount of commission is that true yeah yeah correct yeah we i don't get paid anything less than five in revenue now i'm i'm trying to focus on 20 or higher but you know right but yeah i don't even get paid if it's less than five so yeah yeah are you required to write it but you still don't get paid or they're telling you we're not paying you because we don't want you to write it does that make sense (laughs) Yeah, well, they would. It's really up to me. I mean, I don't have to write anything, so I could just walk away from it or or refer it to gotcha. a friend. Um, I'll do that sometimes if I know another guy that that 
would gladly take a you know four thousand dollar account or five. I'll, I'll introduce the client to them. Fantastic, I mean, dude, dude, it's 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 a it's really good. I'm glad. I I like uh I I in, we insure a guy from Lockton, and that guy was telling you he said he doesn't do anything less than six hundred thousand. I'm like, what the <laughs> hell? Holy crap! Yeah, you know, and he's like, he's like, yeah, but Jason, most of our accounts are like one point five to three million in premium, and I'm like, and he's like, so when you're in that area, he's like, you he's like 400,000 is like, get out of here. You know what I mean? And I'm sitting there going, holy cow, that's a different mindset. You know, that's crazy. Yeah, it is different. But I would say this, man, like with my, my two or three really big accounts I have, and I'm working on a couple other big ones. What I've, what I've noticed is that the buyers aren't really that different. <laughs> you know, they're just, they're kind of just people like, so I've gotten more confidence over the last five years of getting into these accounts and being like, and, and even the level of service these accounts are receiving from their agents, I'm, I'm surprised, man. There's there's advisors and agents out there that aren't even seeing an account that's paying a million bucks, you know, or they're flipping them their their renewal packet at re, you know, three months prior. Hey, fill this out, and the client's just kind of running it along. They got other things they're worried about, but uh, it's unbelievable. It's, it's interesting. It's unbelievable. Yeah, it's crazy, man. You know, I don't know if you know of Don R. Jensen. They're a work comp um, house. They're big here. They're, 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 they're in many, many states and they, they just do workers comp and they're a brokerage house. And I was talking to, I won't say who it is in case you guys know, but I was talking to a higher up there and he told me something that really blew my mind that he said that they talk about inside that brokerage house all the time, that if they were going to ever become agents, they would go get into the work comp, uh, commercial lines work comp game. And their reason was, is that their statistics show that there was like 65% of the policies just renew as is, no matter if there's a huge increase or not. And usually they've got some statistic that shows that every five years they deal with two different account managers and never hear from the agent. <laughs> and they're like, and they're like, and they're like, they're looking at these statistics and just going, holy shit, like these agents aren't doing crap out there, you know? Oh, and yeah. that, and that's the, that's what I want other young people to know, right? I mean, you're running into this too, Micah. Exactly. It's funny when I was at Federated and I got into the industry, I'd be trying to get accounts, right? And we were a direct writer, so I had to quote everything. And um, I'd be talking with these decision makers and be like, I just love my agent. I just, she's so responsive. And I find out, I, they'll send me an email or something. I'm like, this is an account manager. Now I didn't know being a direct writer, like even what an account manager versus a producer really was at that point in my career. But mm. now that I look back, I'm like, man, these, these people, I thought they had such a great agent. They really had a great account managers <laughs> yep. that were just giving yep. reactive service, which is awesome. You know, you need to get certs fast and all that stuff, but they're getting no advisement, but they were, that's how low the bar uh, really is, you know, for some of these people. So, Oh, for a lot, for a lot. And that's why, no, that's just, like I said, it's a perfect storm of everything. And I've got my buddy, Ryan Handley, um, out there in the industry, you know, Ryan, uh, you familiar I, with some I of his writing? Yeah. Just kind of became familiar with him, started following him on LinkedIn. Um, I think he started, is it rogue risk or something this year he's launching? Yeah. 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 That's right. That's right. And so he's looking at different ways of attacking the industry and he's looking at niches and, and strategizing and building his marketing plan with carriers. And to me, Micah, if I knew 18 years ago, Five years ago, seven years ago, it doesn't matter what I know now. I would immediately like, this is all I would do. I'm, I have an agency right now that we have a lot of personal lines and we're, and we're preferred personal lines. We have some commercial lines. So what we're strateg strategically having to do is as we take on a whale, we're literally looking at our book and saying, okay, who could we mm -hmm. ax over here? 
and not really lose any money. Does that make sense? And so we're going through this weird period in our agency where we're slowly have to write the whale, mm-hmm. cut the fat, write the big fish, cut the fat. You know what I mean? So that we can lower those those client levels down to where we want it to be. And and like I told Ryan, I'm like, Ryan, dude, like you need to get on the phone with me for an hour and just let me show you some stuff because I think if he saw it, because he's a smart dude, dude's got a, people don't know, uh, loyal listeners, he has a, a bachelor's in mathematics, <laughs> yeah. Ryan Hanley does. You he's, know he's, he's smart a smart then. Tucker. Yeah. Yeah, you know, he's smart. He's really smart. Was a baseball player in college and everything. That's my buddy. And so I, I just think it's important because I'm thinking like, man, dude, if you're going to sell commercial insurance, don't get out there in the game. Yeah. <laughs> Right. The insurance game, like get like, look at this, how easy this is over here. You and I are talking about how underserved these three hundred thousand dollar accounts are. Are you serious? It's like forty five thousand in commission. Why are people not going after this? Travis and I are looking at each other going, what the hell have we not seen this? And it wasn't until our buddy David Carruthers um, had actually shown it. True story, Micah. Yeah. True story. The guy who made Mod, Mad, uh, Mod Master, which was. Um, I always say his name's Tim Snyder and it's not Tim Snyder. Oh my gosh. Um, um, oh my gosh. Anyways, I'm, I'm going to look this up uh, before we get off this thing. He uh, created Modmaster in 2007 and he called me because I was part of the Independent Insurance Agents of Illinois. I was their chairman and I was in some publications and he said, hey, I want to show you this, this program that I created. I want to fly. So he flew his plane from Nashville, Tennessee to Centralia, Illinois, which is like 10,000 people, little bitty airport. He has a little bitty Cessna. <laughs> and he flew his plane here, and we sat down and had lunch, and he showed my master. And I used it in an 08, 09 when I was really killing it out there. But when I started my own agency, I kind of got away from it. And so it's just kind of slid away until I've heard these other agents talking about it. I'm like, you know what? I need to get back into this. And now Modmaster is so much more um, than it was before. I mean, so much more. It's unbelievable. I think it's 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 one of the reasons why we're able to do what we do, honestly. Yeah, the, I like the really like the lowest possible mod and showing what they control. You know, their control yeah. premium, and then <laughs> also the impact any claim. You know, the trends you can see, and then the impact those specific claims have on their mod specifically in that dollar amount. So those are some pretty, I think, great statistics, right? If you're trying to control costs. Oh my gosh, dude, it's 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 ridiculous. I mean, when you're trying to look at control costs. I'll tell you this. Do you go ahead? Go ahead. Come on. Oh, I was gonna say, do you do any sort of benchmarking at all? Do you partner with like Advisin or or any of those uh, companies to do any sort of benchmarking? No, I don't. What do you mean by that? Tell me. So that's been an awesome tool for me as well. So if, when I do my analysis, I'm reviewing the coverages, doing a policy audit, which everyone knows, right? Mm-hmm. But I also do a premium or a rate analysis. So I, I, I'll either pull my own clients in the in the local area, and I'll, if it's property, if it's GL that are in the same SIC code. So I, here's your local benchmark. I have three other clients that are just like you. Here's kind of what they're paying. I don't give their names or any, you know, they can't tell who it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, but there's also a company called Advise, and I don't know what their costs are, but we subscribe to them and, and other agencies do as well. I've seen them out there, but they will give you a detailed benchmark report on umbrella limits. What are your peers carrying? Uh, what's your GL rate per million uh, versus your peer group? What's wow. your you know, property rate? So that's, because people want to know, man, am I getting a good deal, right? That's that's half the reason they're even talking with you. 
So yes, coverage is important, but still they want to know, am I getting a good deal? Now, um, you might find they're in a great spot, right? I do these benchmarks and I'm like, man, your rates are awesome, but your coverage sucks or your service is terrible. You know, So right. there's still other other angles in, but or sometimes you walk away, man, you're in a great spot. I know you're happy with your agent. I can't really improve anything, man. If you just want to hire me because you like me, awesome, but right. but I can't really improve anything. So um but yeah, that's wow. been a really, really nice. Uh, I like that, and once again, that's a third party. That's not you saying that, right? And but I do like how you use your own book as well, though. You know, why yes. not? That here's what they're paying. I mean, how's that look to you? Wow, that's good. No, did yeah. not know about that. What are a couple of those services? What'd you say it was called? Uh, I believe it's Ad- it's Advising. Um, is the it's like a national company. If you just Google them, I think they. I've seen, I know other brokers have used them here in Texas because I've seen okay. the reports, but but not a lot. I mean, I'm surprised. I got a buddy that works at a different regional agency and he's like, no, we don't have any of those tools. I'm like, man, tell them to invest, you know, um, mm-hmm. it's, it'll, it'll help you. That's cool. Any other little, little resources you use? I mean, besides ModMaster or the, the ones you said for the benchmarking, any other cool little things? You know, I would say that and this is probably an obvious thing maybe, but um, I find a good... Uh, loss consultant or, or an independent one. We have our own internal, but um, that knows like compliance in and out, you know, like DOT. Um, I don't know if you knew, if you're ever calling on a trucking, let's say a trucking risk or anybody who has DOT registered fleets, you can look up tons of information on safer. Uh, just Google their name safer and it'll show if they're out of compliance and another benchmarking report will pop up in there of how many vehicles are out of service, you know, um, and some different factors like that. And with auto being such a hard market right now, you can really wedge if you bring in that safer report. Everyone can access it, but most businesses don't even know what's out there. Wow. And they'll give you detailed, like you can get an Excel spreadsheet with all the, you know, the, and they have a point system on how much these uh, violations are weighted and, and underwriters are looking at that mm-hmm. stuff. That's another thing also that separates you not only from you as the agent from um, the the client, um, separating yourself in the client's eyes from other agents, but also underwriters. Right. When when you're going after them and giving full submissions, full submissions to most agents are accord apps and loss runs. Right. But we're giving description of operations. <laughs> we're sending them the mod sheets. We're showing them what we're trying to improve. Um, some of these other things that you're talking about, I can't wait to add to it. Um, so that is uh, those are some good resources that are going to build the credibility with your underwriters as well, especially when you need to get that premium where it needs to be. Sometimes, sometimes it yeah. is about premium let's not make any, you talked about yeah. the perfect agent, you know, perfect agents are always out there. I was taught, they're like, don't you ever sell on price? You know what I mean? And don't get me wrong. That's my goal. But every once in a while, sure. you got it. The guy's like, look, hey. man, I want you to be my agent, but this is the way it is. I don't, I don't give a shit about all your other stuff that the other three agents said about this mod master crap. And it's like, all right, dude, I'm going to do it, but I'm going to go back to my underwriter. But I'm telling you right now, when I come back, I, you need to make me your your agent. All right. Well, all right, dude, I'm good to go. I'll be back here in a little bit, you know. So I love <laughs> it's all about the story. Story. That's you tell, right, right. That's right. So that's 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 it. Never let the truth get in the way of a good story because it just it, it comes down to that. Like, you know where you're trying to put them. If you're putting them, if exactly. you're trying to put them into a bad spot then your truth that you're trying to get around is a lie. But if you're trying to put Mm -hmm. them in a good spot, you have pure intentions and you see the outcome and you need to get them to see it, tell a good story, put some kind of spin on it, do something to to, uh, joggle their mind to say, hey, listen to me. I'm telling you this not because I'm going to make that 45,000. 
And that's what David Carruthers, you know, one other thing David Carruthers says to people, any, any of these little things that you uh, use, Micah, I would love them as well. He says that he talks to the client yeah. and he says, he says to them, um, you, you know, pro- measuring productivity, measuring um, uh, quality. He says, so I assume you, you and your, your business, you, you measure productivity, right? You know how many parts you're doing, how fast, you know, how many you're doing per hour, how many people it takes to do it. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, and, and then and I'm pretty sure you're measuring quality, right? You probably have a whole department measured to quality and your parts. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So, so how are you measuring safety? Well, well, we, you know, we've got, well, I'm looking at this mod here and you've got a (laughs) 0.41 controllable mod here that's just been going on for years. Is somebody measuring safety? Because if they are, they're, they're not doing a proper job or are they showing you these reports? And when you say that to somebody, because we've done it multiple times, it makes them go, oh shit. Yeah. Like, why are we not doing that? You know, they're not going to sit there and just melt into your hands, but you can see the gears turning in their head, you know, of son of a bitch. And then it'll be like, okay, so who your safety person is uh, by looking at this premium, you're paying them about $37,000 a year, but we don't have a safety person, Jason. We just told you that. No, you <laughs> actually do. Uh, and then, yes, it self. is. It is. And you know what though, Micah, I like how you said that you talk it. about money up front. Because then I don't do that. I talk about the money, but sometimes it's as I'm talking now and it falls into the conversation. I need, I would like to talk about that up front. So then I can point back to remember that 37,000, that's the person you're paying. Remember we talked about how much the agent makes. So I really like that positioning because you're basically saying to them, you're not paying any more for my services. I'm just going to, I'm going to charge you the same, but I'm going to actually do the damn services. And so that's another thing. Exactly. Yeah, no, I love the I love the how do you measure your safety? I'm going to start asking that question. And another thing I would say is, um, I always ask people, what's your marketing strategy? How are you selling your risk? And they're like, what are you talking about? Like, what's your market? You don't mean when your agent comes out to talk with you through a game plan, how you want to sell your risk to the underwriters? We, we don't have those conversations. I mean, we get renewal packets. And so that's another good one. Um, another right, thing I like that, to say, too, is as I, in my first meeting, I kind of tell a story, right? I'm telling I ask them a couple questions. Where are you at? Where do you want to get to? Tell them the story about you know our firm. But but hey, I'm, and in my story, I'm like you know I've been I've, I'm hired by people. I haven't I've grown this way, but I haven't quoted one company. And they're like, well, how do you earn new business? And I said by being hired by demonstrating value up front. You know by doing this analysis up front. So it's kind of. Uh, yeah, it's always fun to implement those different. No, questions. I love it. You're 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 attacking things head on. So many times these things, ah oh, man, I train this to people. Don't ignore things. Like don't be like, "Oh man, I don't really know what to say there, so I'm just going to skip that." If you don't know what to say, let them know that and say, "Hey, I'm going to get back to you or whatever it can be." But majority of the time, you know it. You just feel uncomfortable talking about it. Well, what do you mean? Like talking about how much the commission really is, truly. You know, trying to let them know. One of the things, Micah, that I'm seeing that you do a lot that I think we do a lot is it's very transparent in letting them know and letting them see behind the scenes. Because I yes. think when you let them see behind the scenes, they see how the stacked the game is stacked against them. And it's not against them, but it's not in their advantage. It's not in the advantage they think that it is. Am I right about that? Oh, a hundred percent, man. It's and I like I've I've alluded to it in this conversation, but it's the insurance game, right? It's mm-hmm. and, and explaining that, and then once they can get that, how do you? I teach you how to win at that insurance game. You know, I'm, I'm going to help you 
help you come on the better side of this. Uh, I like that. The insurance game and I'm going to help you win at it. Ooh, I like that, Micah. That's good stuff, dude. That's good stuff. (laughs) That's good stuff, man. So, uh, so yeah, dude, um, you a reader, do you read books? How do you, how do you get your knowledge? Yeah, I read, um, man, I read probably a book a month. You know, I, I, sometimes I get too ambitious by one or two on, on Kindle and then I'll read halfway through it and just give up. But generally speaking, I try to do about one a month. Do you do any on, um, do you do any audibles or you read everything hardback, softback? I prefer hardback, but I'm, I'm impatient. So I'm, I'm kind of sitting there. I'm like, I want to get this book now. I want to start reading it now. And I basically just buy it on Kindle, you know, but gotcha. I always wish I had a hardback. So. Yeah. Yeah. And I like it. I, I, I like mine on audible. I use, I read, I listen so much. What's the last book that you, uh, that you listened to or read? Sorry. The last book I read, let me pull it up quick. Um, I'm reading one right now on, uh, actually a really weird topic, but, uh, it's on, there was some story on 60 minutes about basically mushrooms, <laughs> uh, psychedelics and how they're changing people's kind of, they're helping people with anxiety, depression. I just thought it was kind of interesting topic. Um, so I'm reading some book on that, but, um, actually the last book I read was the courage to be disliked. The courage to be disliked. Wow. I bet you that was a good one. Yep. That was, a good yeah, one. it was interesting, man. It was, uh, it's just kind of written by this, I think this Zen master guy and just talks about really just, you know, being, being yourself. Right. And, and I think it applies to even what we do in insurance. I mean, just, you know, be honest, be yourself and, um, good things will happen, but it was an interesting read. So, you know, um, one of the things loyal listeners that I haven't told you about, uh, I was actually looking through some of my books on audible and things I'm trying to get away. We're, we're reading right now as an agency, we're reading well done, um, which, uh, which is, which is really good. It's, it's, it's an interesting, it's a short book. But uh, for you as well, Micah, and for you loyal listeners, I don't know if I've ever talked to you guys about 76 Days Lost at Sea. And and I got to tell you, it is a really good book because I'm like you, dude. I'm always reading practical books or whatever. I love how you're reading the thing on the psychedelics. And I'm being serious on that because that means like you're trying to wrap your mind around other things, you know, and I'm not talking about like, you know tripping on acid and shit. That's not what I'm talking no, about. No, no. Yeah. I'm just talking about you're trying to look at other things better than leadership or sales or whatever. You know what I mean? And uh, 70 70- sales books can get kind of boring. You know? <laughs> yeah, they get boring. And, and let's be honest, you have 40 clients and you've got 890,000 in revenue. Could you, could you get better? Yes. But you're in the top 1% of every insurance agent out there. So it's okay that I'm going to read something else other than sales books all the damn time. You know what I mean? And, 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 and it's, and it's, there's a, there's a difference, but 76 days of lost at sea is it, I think it's like a hundred, 120 pages, but Mikey, you got to tech check it out. Cause dude, it's a, it's a story of survival. And I mean, and this guy, I mean, literally he's trying to go from like somewhere in Europe to the Caribbean um, and he's trying to sail across and, and he's going to do it by himself. And I mean, like on night one, <laughs> his, his, his boat splits in half. I mean, literally on night one and he was sleeping and just bam, he hit something, something hit him and he doesn't really truly know about it. But the point is, is, is this journey he goes on and it's, it's remarkable to think about and you start he starts explaining to you some of the things he was thinking out there when all you can see is just water for everywhere and he's in this little bitty dinghy like it's a five-foot dinghy and i mean in the fact of when you can't escape from something right and it's just burning you like the sun i mean you can't Hmm. escape from it 
And like yeah. you, he, he would like get under the dinghy and like try to be under it, but he had like sores and it would hurt, you know, and then there would be fish. So he'd have to get back in the dinghy. He couldn't get away from it. And so he talks about a lot of things in life and how he would think about things like that. So it's just really, really amazing to think of being in a dinghy for 76 days, just floating in the ocean. And actually the record is like a dude did it for 120 some days. They found him. Wow. Yeah. yeah that's uh yeah, it's, man, it, it's a good story. You ought to read it. Yeah, no, you know, the funny thing is speaking of kind of book topics is that I think, you know, one thing I've been thinking about recently is value is so relative, right? I mean, and I actually got a new client last uh, month, right? Pretty big, about 50 in revenue. Going to the first meeting, talking about health, right? And I did some kind of gut screening test biome and he found it super interesting because he was on a health kick. At the end of the meeting, got the BORs. He's like, hey, what's the name of that health company again? You know, and, and that's what he he really cared about. So it's like value is if you're bringing people value in any area, their, you know, their health, mm-hmm. uh, their their mind, anything outside of work, their family life, whatever. You know, it's just it's good to just kind of read on various topics beyond just insurance and and sales. And it's that's and to be honest with you, that's where you actually learn the most. But you actually have to yeah. use your brain. To actually think about what the reader is saying and how is that going to relate into sales, right? Those are sometimes yes. the, the most practical, real life things. When you're talking to um, a salesperson, like a lot of you loyal listeners listen to Mike and I, it, we make it sound like this is really simple, okay? It's not simple. It, it is a process. Is it, a, it? As Mike would say, it's a game, but it can be done and we're giving you scenarios and sometimes it's when you're not talking about sales or you're not talking about insurance you're talking about something else that you can go, holy crap, wait, let me think about that insurance. And that's where you get your biggest moments. I, I don't know about you, but that's how it is for me. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree, man. And it's, um, I think I don't know if it was, who had brought this up, it was on LinkedIn, but seeing yourself as an advisor, right, instead of just an agent, right? So it's like, are these people getting value from you? Are you bringing different ideas to the table of all, all aspects of business, not just insurance? And when you mm-hmm. can get to that point, we're all working towards it. I mean, I'm, I'm 34, I have a lot to learn, but we, you know, if you're working towards that, I think you're going to find uh, much stronger relationships with, with, with your clients too. Absolutely. You are right about that. Um, and my buddy Brent Kelly says it a lot that uh, there's three types of agents. There's the floaters and quoters. So they're just <laughs> going to quote, float to the next guy, quote, float to the next guy. There are insurance advisors and then there are indispensable agents. And he says that indispensable agents are less than five to three to five percent of the agents out there. Most of us are quoters and floaters, but there's a good middle section of the insurance advisors. And he explains that the quoter and floater will quote, float, quote, float, just does that. The insurance advisor is someone who builds trust, helps them understand their coverages, you know, and does that. The indispensable agent, though, is exactly what they are. The business would have a hard time continuing on the way it is if it wasn't for them. And he gives an example that clearly defines it. He says, if you're an insurance advisor, your client calls you and says, hey, I bought this building a week ago and I need to get it insured. An indispensable agent gets the phone call from that business owner and says, hey, I'm thinking about buying this business or or this building. And I was wanting to know how that's going to affect the plan that you and I have put together. (laughs) Yeah, that's awesome. There's a difference. There's a difference. So you may think, Micah, you're an insurance advisor. You're not. You're not. You're an indispensable agent. You're one of those agents that truly is showing that value up front. 
And I think that those quoters and floaters and those insurance advisors, not downing them, not saying they're bad. It's a majority of the industry. I'm not saying I'm sitting on some high pedestal. Nope, not, not. But what I'm saying is, is those are the ones that are having the hardest time understanding why you are taking the BOR. And I think we wrapped it up very pretty, Micah, in this last hour and 15 minutes. I think in a, in a non-aggressive way, we tried to show agents out there, like there are the things you're doing, start questioning them because that's how you're losing to the broker of record not because we're stealing a client. I, I think there's a different mindset. Exactly. I couldn't agree more. I got to give some credit. When I when I came from Federated, all I knew was quoting. I went to Marsh. We had a we had a CEO of our Houston office. His name was Anthony Grupo, and now he's the CEO of our UK practice. But he was a very visionary guy, forward thinking. And I get in there first week. He's like, oh, we don't quote here. <laughs> I'm like, what do you what, how do I get new clients? You know what I mean? So it's, it's people listening to this podcast, right? And then you, you hear it and then you got to implement it, right? And force yourself to do it. But him, him basically saying that to me and to our team of young people forced us to find a way and to learn how to sell on service and advisement and, and value besides just quoting. So. Yes, it, it really truly is. And, and it's so hard for us to understand that. Now, it's easier for me because I have income. It's very hard for my producers. Like, are you serious? I've been working this guy for <laughs> six, seven, eight months. I've really got his trust. I'm really in there busting it. And it's 279000 And because he won't give us target premium. And it's like, no, nah, I think there's a difference on that. You know, the guy has got, he's got an, a mess of an insurance program. And he wants us to get it done in the next month. It's just not going to happen, you know, especially when we're not going to be even know where we're at. Mm-hmm. But now with some of those things that you gave us, Micah, I'm going to uh, – my producers, are, I'm going to have them listen to this, um, people in my office, so that uh, they can kind of get – makes them get more rounded and we can all make a bunch more money. Definitely, man. I appreciate you having me on. We'll have to do this again and hopefully it won't take uh, five <laughs> five tries or next tries. <laughs> Yeah, loyal listeners, it was a nightmare. We had internet problems, microphones weren't working. It was just the craziest thing. We ran out of time. One, it was just crazy. But loyal listeners, I think you enjoyed it. Anything you want to wrap it up with saying, Micah, before we get off? Just, hey, thank you for the opportunity. Um, follow me on LinkedIn. I, I try to share things that can help anybody, a business owner, an agent. Um, always message me. I'm an open I'm open to talking with people. I get calls from agents across the country. Um, always willing to you know, give you some time and, and see if I can help. So thank you again, man, for having me. Look forward to, again, future conversations with you, getting to know you better. Yeah, for sure. And talk about some more sales and some more different tactics to help agents. Micah, you know, you do a lot on LinkedIn as just far as, you know, giving out advice. And I think like me as an agent, I think there's a lot of things that agents can learn. And I think and I hope now that as you, a loyal listener, you listen to this podcast, it makes you think about the next time you hear of a client getting taken away on a broker of record and you hear that agent griping or maybe that's you. I'm not saying that that was an agent that was a bad agent, but also don't say that it was a bad agent who had the account. Don't say it was a bad agent who took it on an agent of record because all it was was a different positioning of value. A lot of times we just think that the way that our value is to our client is through the relationship and we're going to push it through some other things. I've said it before. There's four cards of selling. There's price, there's coverage, there's service, there's agent. Most of us sell just um, controlling the relationship card. You've got to figure out a way to get more of the value driven through services because when you control the relationship card and you control the service card, you now control 50% of the game. 
Right now, most of you only control about 25%. And that's affecting your income and affecting your livelihood and the growth of your agency. But it's also affecting how the growth and the efficiency of the person that you're trying to help, all based on the value of relationship. When they deserve more, they deserve better, just like you and your agency does. Micah, thanks for you for your joining us here at Agency Intelligence. I believe that as loyal listeners, we gave you the real agent, Micah, inside a real agency, giving you the real agency intelligence and not the artificial that they make you believe out there. Tell me your thoughts, tell me your ideas, and I'm going to tell the world what you have to say. This has been Jason Cass, and I'm out. Hey, agents, listen to this. Listen to this. What are we terrible at? Think of it. Think of it. Really? We're, we're terrible at training, right? We're not very good at hiring. We're not very good, terrible at firing, actually. Uh, terrible at creating process and some workflows. Terrible at technology and implementing that technology and even knowing what type of technology we want. And the list goes on and on. Now, listen, I'm an agency owner. And I, you know how it is to, to fix a problem. The first thing you got to do is you got to admit you have a problem. Here's what you do. Go to virtualintel.com. Check out what we do because we do all those bad things that you can't do. Really? And you may do one or two of them well. Good for you if you can do them all. Just want you to know you're in the minority. But if you can't do any of them good or you don't even want to do them anymore because it just takes too much mental power, then good for you for realizing that and give us a call. I'm telling you, at Virtual Intelligence, that's what we do. And where we specialize in high quality VEs, not virtual assistants. Look it up. Go to ChatGPT. Put in what's the difference between a virtual assistant and a virtual employee. Enough said. I don't have enough time to go on and on about all the differences on this 60 second commercial. But you've got time to search it and look at it. That's what we do. We deliver high quality VEs. We mix the technology with it. We train them on the technology, give them and the technology to you and you're off to the races. I'm not joking with you. You can call my agency at any time, ask for Lordland. And we do ask her, say, how fast are you able to do quotes? I've actually got a couple videos of it. That's right. We can do five to 10 carriers in one quote in three to seven minutes. So you give me an auto quote, I can do five to 10 carriers in three to seven minutes. How are we doing it? We're doing it through the technology of virtual intelligence. Give us a call, check us out. You can ask for me personally, I'll do the demo for you. Who are they? Cast certified.